five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everybody, and welcome to America.com. My name is Rich Doc Hayden, and I am with. And here we are. It is Tuesday, February 27th. We are with our friend and 27 brother, Matthew Maxwell. Maxwell, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Good, good, good. Well, we're here to talk about the. the we just hit the two year mark of the war in Ukraine. So we've been following it every, uh, every Tuesday, just about every Tuesday, uh, since the beginning of the war. Uh, since then, the war in Israel-Palestine has been raging as well, and um, it's just, yeah, it's been a very, very, very difficult uh, two years. Uh, Israel-Palestine has been, since it was October, so November, December, January, February, about four months and some change at this point. Um, so a couple of, you know, a couple of milestones and it just, just kind of just keeps going. So, um, uh, let's talk about Ukraine first. We've had, um, not a whole lot of development on the battlefield, but a couple of, uh, interesting developments since we last spoke. Um, perhaps the most notable of which, that doesn't affect the war in Ukraine, but is certainly related to the war, is the, um, death in the Siberian prison of Alexei Navalny. And um, the one thing that does continuously, uh, you know, affect the war is the the uh, continuing gridlock in Congress over additional funding for Ukraine. So, um, Harp, let me open it up. Let me start with you. What have you seen over the last uh, two weeks? Yeah, well, I, I seen the the death of the guy in the jail, and then I seen where uh, I think one position Ukraine was pulling back out of. Yes. Uh, to deal with the, I guess, from the lack of funding. Yeah. Uh, I did see that fly through the headlines. And then, of course, you know, the, the, the biggest was the, the guy dying in the prison over there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It'd it, be interesting to see what that guy's wife does. She says she's going to carry on. She looks like she might. She'll probably be the next one. Yeah. You know, the... It's it, it's interesting. I I actually really knew um, very little about um, Alexei Navalny. I, I still don't know a whole lot. But I know more. Than I, I I knew very little about Alexei Navalny, but uh, he's a pretty courageous guy. I mean, he um, has been sort of waging this sort of one man campaign against Putin, and um, he made uh, he made this really crazy movie about this huge this multi billion dollar mansion that Putin built on the Black Sea and released it and then went back to uh, Russia in 2021. It was, you know, immediately arrested and just died in prison, which um, takes fucking guts. I'll tell you, I don't, I don't have those kind of guts. You know what I'm saying? So, um, uh, yeah, what do you, you know, Harp, what are people down there? Like, I, you know, I know he's, he's not really an American thing, but, you know, the people in Georgia, uh, you know, they admire him. Would they have thoughts on him? I mean, how, how does he appear down there? I mean, it's not been talked about too much in the local news. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think there's a, too many people, uh, like you said, that hitting the two-year mark. It's, it's lost a lot of good, good bit of followers. Mm, yeah. So it's kind of hit the back burner around here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To, 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 the, to the average everyday person. Like you don't see it. Unless you're watching late night news, yeah, it may cross your 
crossover, or if you're in your phone like I am, you'll see it. Yeah, yeah. Not, not a lot of talk. I mean, every, I mean, it, the big talk around here is, you know, Israel and the election. Pretty much is what you see in the local news. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got it. Got it. All right. Maxwell, let me open it up to you. What have you seen in the last couple of weeks uh, regarding Ukraine? Well, it hasn't been looking good for Ukraine lately. It has which, not. Uh, yeah. The Russians have, you know, gained some territory. The, the Ukrainians have, you know, evacuated certain areas that they just can't hold. And they, the Russians have been able to push the push the lines uh, pretty decently, right? Like uh, a year ago, we were talking about, you know, the Russians seizing half of Bakhmut. Now it's completely seized by the Russians, and they've extended that line out past the city limits, moving uh, westerly. Mm -hmm. So it's... uh, you know, so that's that's not looking too good right there on the front. I mean, I imagine that both sides are pretty wore down uh, from constant fighting and no way to really, you know, reconstitute and rest or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, so yeah, so like the funding piece, definitely, that's a big concern uh, where America's going to sit on that. I know that the NATO countries have pledged support and I don't know if you caught the, I can't remember who it was, some Ukrainian official that was being hosted by Macron in France. And, uh, like, France kind of hinted to pledging troops. Uh, I did see that, yeah. And that got walked back immediately, right? Like, the rest of NATO was like, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So that was an interesting one. Uh, Ukrainians made gains in terms of taking out another AWACS, you know, taking out another Russian AWACS Mm -hmm. asset, taking out some uh, strategic bombers, uh, and then they also conducted a drone attack against the steel plant in Russia that, produces the steel for most of the tanks. Mm. So, you know, they've been, you know, they've been slicing away at strategic assets of Russia, but, uh, you know, they're, they're probably wore out on the front lines and, uh, you know, what do you do? They're, they've slaughtered a bunch of Russians. That's for, that's for sure. They got some drone technology, like, it's interesting to know, like, is NATO's support to them enough if we don't continue to fund it? Like, we, we're obviously the major donor of this whole thing, so, um, you know, without our support, like, what does that look like, right? Um, because they're, like I said, there's, it's really hard to... It's really hard when you're outnumbered. I believe the entire Russian military force, the Russian armed forces, is like double, at least double what Ukraine has, mm-hmm. right? If not triple. So I mean, they yes, they lost a lot of dudes, <coughs> but when you, when you have no way of 
relieving your frontline troops, like, uh, you know, how, how long could you sustain that? Even if they are sending these meat assaults in with guys who don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's not, it's not looking too good right now, but, you know, things could change. I know that Ukrainians are, believe that the Russians will launch an offensive in May or June. Um, so they'll have to deal with that. So, it's, so those are some of the things that I've been seeing and reading about. Yeah, yeah, these past two weeks have not been good for Ukraine. I think, you know, one of the things that, that we've talked about um, constantly on this podcast for the last two years um, is this idea that Ukraine has time on its side. And um, I think we discussed on our last podcast, we said, you know, Ukraine has time on its side unless, as long as it continues to receive uh, Western support. And, it, it you know, in, without that happening, it's, um, it, it's probably not. Um, it, or say Russia now suddenly seems to be the one um, that has time on its side and is biding biding its time, and you know there there are a, a whole bunch of reasons for that. But you know Maxwell, you said right. I think the Russian army is just larger and um, just 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 bigger than the Ukrainian army, and just had just through sheer numbers, uh, it's just grinding Ukraine down. You know we can talk all we want about how uh, you know over the long term. This is, uh, you know, Russia. This this was a a poor strategy uh, globally for Russia, and it uh, it's weakened its strategic um, position, which I I, th- I think so. You know, Norway and Sweden. Uh, excuse me, not Norway. Finland and Sweden both joined um, NATO. Sweden, um, Hungary just uh, uh, chose to accept it. So Sweden is now on its way to joining NATO. So NATO's been strengthened. I think, kind of. Um, uh, in many ways, the position of the West has strengthened since the beginning of the war, but um, that doesn't mean shit if you're on the ground in Ukraine, you know, and um, Russia's just biding its time. So, I, you know, it, it's, it's, it'll be interesting to see if the Russians do launch an offensive in April or May. One of the defining factors of this war um, has been the uh, it, it's been very much a defensive war on, on both sides, and aside from uh, a couple of spectacular uh, Ukrainian um, blitzes and a couple of Ukrainian offenses where they've gained ground um, quite heavily, the uh, it's been a defensive war. And if Russia, you know, we may very well see, um, you know, uh, if Ukraine is able to get some support, if it is, um, you know, able to dig in to some of these defensive positions, perhaps. The uh, Russian offensive will stall and not going. I don't know. They, I, you know, I, I really don't know. It's it's so difficult to say, but um, yeah, Putin. You know, after his interview with Tucker Carlson and the way things are looking, is uh, feels definitely feels like he has momentum on his side. Uh, he wants to bring you know Ukraine to the negotiating table. I use the word negotiating table lightly because um, he wants to he wants to bring the you know, Ukraine to the table on his terms and dictate some of the terms that um, will be uh, 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 the terms of any sort of peace settlement, which, uh, you know, I, I personally think um, any sort of peace settlement that Ukraine agrees to is, is it's just going to be a pause for a couple of years in the fighting as Russia regroups um, and tries again, I don't know, 5, 10, 15 years, 
you know, from now. But, um, you know, Max, let me open up this up to you. And, and then Harp, I'll ask you, but, like, you know, long term, do you think that, um, uh, 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 do you think that Ukraine will be able to sustain itself in a defensive war? And if not, you know, wh- what are its choices? Well, it's funny because a lot of folks that are, you know, in think tanks and whatnot have said that, you know, without U.S. support, and they say without Western support, so I'm assuming that they're talking about NATO as well, but by and large, we're the majority of the support there. Like, and essentially, without the U.S. support, they can't win that war. The Ukrainians cannot win that war. What may happen if they get so wore down is, you know, they end up everything that the Russians, where the lines are today is what the Russians keep. And you're right. 15 years from now, they're going after the rest of it. Just like, mm-hmm. you know, the Crimea and, and then came back for the rest. Um, it's just, uh, I don't know, because obviously Putin's not going to see any land back in any negotiation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how critical we are to their success. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and doing what's morally right and just you would think that helping a sovereign nation defend itself against being invaded is the right thing to do, but, you know, we as a country very rarely do the right thing uh, if the opinion polls don't back that up, you know, for people's re-elections and shit. Yeah. Harp, same question to you. So, you know, over the long term, you know, what do you think Ukraine has to do? I mean, like, I agree that they, they, they won't make it without our support. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Grant, I, I don't think we'll stop giving them support. Uh, but I, I think long term, I think Ukraine's going to, I still think they're going to come out okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I mean, they, they, they've, they've set a, you know, they've set a precedent of a country that, you know, take anything head on like that I don't I don't see it I see a lot of the old timers hanging in there mm-hmm. for the long haul yeah and we're gonna support them so I mean there's no questions about it mm-hmm. I mean they'll get they'll get some deal done it's just people you know it's just politics mm-hmm. you know one thing one thing I can say is that over the very long term and I mean the next like 20 30 40 years, uh, this is going, th- you know, 30, 40 years from now, this is going to be uh, looked back on as a giant mistake by Russia. And I think, I, I do think over the long term, uh, Ukraine is going to prevail one way or another. It might, you know, Ukraine 30, 40 years from now is may look very, well, well almost certainly look very different. The, the borders will be very different than um, than it was on the day before the invasion. But, um, what I think is, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, psychologically, Ukraine's done. Yeah, 
Like oh. these people are going to be like totally out. Oh yeah. Well, and they're but they're they're not. You know, one of the things that um you know Vladimir Putin uh, uh it very can one thing he completely aired about is you know. He he said you know uh, uh, at the beginning of the war that the um, you know Russians and Ukrainians are one people and that the Ukrainians would welcome uh, a, a return to Russia and that just absolutely has not been the case. I mean the Ukrainian people have been pushed uh, uh, very much towards the West and are very much now um, oriented towards the West. I one of the I don't want to call this a, a positive outcome, but one of the potential outcomes I could see is if there is indeed a, um, uh, let's just say here, I'll give you a hypothetical, let's just say Ukraine does go to the negotiating table, um, there's a ceasefire, the borders are drawn, uh, are, 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 the new borders are drawn on whatever, wherever they are, at the end of the, you know, wherever the fighting is, um, where the front line is, at the end of the war, um, and then Ukraine as this, you know, uh, with this new smaller, smaller um, state, unfortunately, uh, eventually joins NATO and becomes part of the West. I mean, I think that would, that would not be, obviously not an ideal. Um, we, we would rather them win the war and beat the Russians back entirely, but that may be a, I don't know, consolation prize card. That might just, that might be in what ends up happening, you know what I mean? And Russia will fume and they'll get pissed. But um, but at, at the same time, they you know Russia's in a strong position to negotiate with Ukraine. Russia is not in a strong position to negotiate with uh, NATO countries and the United States. Again, assuming um, uh, uh, the U.S. Uh, uh, is still supporting Ukraine at that time, which I hope it is. So. Yeah, but I, I mean that's that's who's funding Ukraine is, is yeah. the United States and, and NATO. And so I mean, he's Putin's gonna have to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Through Ukraine to us, I mean, because I mean, Zelensky, if he he's done as soon as negotiations over. Well, and yet a lot of it depends on you know what 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 happens and uh, what happens with the negotiations, which uh, we don't know yet. So there are, you know, a lot of hypotheticals, but but. I mean, I, I could I could I could see. Uh, I mean, it would not be smart of NATO to let. Somebody who just gave up their territory and didn't didn't bring them in the loop before you know. They, I mean, it's gonna have to be negotiated from this off. Yeah. Well, I think that yeah, I think that Ukraine would actually be an excellent addition to NATO. I mean, they've they like they've literally the only the only country in Europe who have actively fought the Russians. I mean, they've proven themselves. Um, militarily capable. Uh, they're, they're one thing that is not in doubt is how spectacularly the Ukrainian army has performed. I mean, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's, you know, with what they've had, if they've, if they had a force the size of Russia's, I, I think it would be a very, 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 we'd be having a very different conversation right now. You know what I mean? And, um, and I also say too, if we were to take a time machine back two years ago, um, I, I don't know if any of us would have um, predicted that Ukraine would... I don't think anybody would have predicted that Ukraine would have done so well. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, I'd love to see them join NATO and, and you know, contribute. So, now... now yeah, but, I mean, I, I, their, their belief is just, just like us. So, I mean, yeah, they would be a strong asset to that, that yeah. side of NATO. Yeah. But, I mean... Mm-hmm. 
I don't see how who's going to be in charge of Ukraine to, to come to that. It's not going to be Zelensky. I'm sure that's going to be. I mean, he's going to be knocked off as soon as it's over. If that was the case. Yeah. I don't. I don't mean. I don't. I don't know. I actually don't know enough about, you know, the um, Ukrainian government to know that exact. To know like what's going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, with that, so I. I know Russia will certainly want to install a puppet government in Ukraine. I mean, we'll have to. We'll have to see about that. I don't. Yeah. I don't know though. I don't know what's going to happen with that. But, but. Before we move on to um, Israel and and, and Palestine, the. Um, uh, one of the things, so I, I think if we look globally, I think right now, I, I hate to use the word, the term Cold War because, um, the, you know, the Cold War from, you know, the mid forties until 1992 was, um, in a different world in a very different set of circumstances. But I do think that we are at the point where we're at, um, I don't know if lukewarm war is quite the uh, the the way to put it, but we're you know already in not even I want I always want to say entering, but we're not we're in a period of global um, uh, global conflict between superpowers with you know us lining up on one you know uh, the U.S. Europe um, South Korea Japan uh, uh, Australia New Zealand kind of lining up on one side, and you know Russia China North Korea. Iran lighting up on the other, and then a bunch of uh, everybody else kind of in the middle, and I think that um, we're we're entering a new. And I think that it, it all it would take is one Chinese provocation. So like the Chinese invasion of um, Taiwan would absolutely do it to thrust us headlong into a new Cold War, which would. Um, uh, pretty much see us return to some of the similar fault lines of the previous Cold War, and uh, would be very different this time because um, China is far more advanced uh, economically, militarily, and um, uh, diplomatically than it was, uh, you know, in the period during Mao's period and after World War Two. Uh, Iran is always going to be Iran. Russia is always going to be Russia. So, um, you know, Maxwell, let me open it up to you. I mean. Do you think that we are, uh, are we there? Are we destined to head there? You know, how do you think things are going to shake out? Hmm. Well, I think, uh, I think the Ukraine entrance into NATO is definitely going to happen. Mm-hmm. I think, I think there's a lot I think there's a huge refocus on the Eastern European countries, strength of NATO. Like, if there's anything that was a shot in the arm to the importance of NATO, it was Russia's invasion of Ukraine. I think before that, there may have been, on the larger scale of understanding, meaning, like, everyday civilians... Uh, and citizens globally that like well kind of NATO's kind of antiquated right but this whole thing has put the importance of NATO mm-hmm. back front and center that's why you see you know Sweden Finland 
wanting to join the talk of putting Ukraine and NATO, right? Like all, all that, the bolstering of troops. So we talked about, it was like a month ago where they were sending troops over to, to, you know, up the numbers of people on the border with Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, our Eastern, yeah, Eastern European NATO members, and uh, you know, Germany, Poland, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know one of the, I, I think that the U.S. is is understanding Europe's a bit further behind us, um, but the you know the 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 post Cold War era of peace and globalization is done. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not, it's not fully, there's still, there, you know, there's, obviously the U.S. and China, China still have, you know, diplomatic ties, we have relations, we have commercial interests, um, we're still interconnected in a lot of ways, but um, this idea that, uh, you know, more interconnection, um, or first of all, this idea that, you know, uh, Real global power, or um, you know, global power politics, and um, uh, and you know, just 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 animosity between countries. This this idea that that's over is is totally done. You know what I mean? Um, I you know, all of us. I we've talked about this before. I'm I'm I came of age in the '90s when everything was nice and peaceful, and the uh, uh, the you know, the world was. Um, you know, we, we were entering this globalized age and everybody was so excited about how, you know, we could travel all over the world again and, and the, the Cold War was over. And um, I think that the three of us kind of probably lived through one of the most open and prosperous periods in the human, in the, uh, you know, in all of human history. And that's, that's kind of done at this point, which is unfortunate, you know what I mean? And I, I really hope, uh, uh, I don't want to say, that nothing's, nothing's inevitable, but I really hope this isn't like a, you know, a, a, a 1932, 1933 moment where we are, you know, uh, potentially about to leap into a, another huge war. But I think we're kind of, it, it's certainly much more possible in a way that um, was not 30 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So, but. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. That's something I think about all the time, too. Yeah. It's like. We're always like one generation away or one event away from just things being turned upside down, right? And with and again, like you were saying, all the prosperity that we had in the nineties, um, and, and leading up to like nine eleven, like was, yeah. was one event that just completely shook everything, mm-hmm. right? And you have the threat of Russia. You have the threat of China. And it really is like, how much do we want to globalize, right? The commerce and the interconnectedness benefits everybody, but at the same token, um, when you have nation states get powerful and greedy and hungry and mm-hmm. have build up the capability to disrupt that, like that's a, that's a real game changer. You can have places that are prosperous, but but it does it doesn't take much for it to turn upside down, right? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been looking for like places to retire as an expat where it's real cheap, like the U.S. dollar goes far. And we were looking at Southeast Asia, but it's like shit. Like, 
Totally <laughs> off with yeah. China. Yeah. Right, because Taiwan had this thing where they they actually pay the most for English teachers, right, which my wife used to do in Ukraine. Uh-huh. Uh, so we thought, like, well, shit. Well, actually, we discounted almost immediately. But when we were doing research on different places to re- retire and you know, maybe take some English teaching jobs because she's done it before. It's like, that was one of the countries that paid the most for English teachers. And it was like, well, shit. I was like, but it's Taiwan. Yeah. Yeah, fucking China's ready to freaking yeah. snake that place up in a heartbeat. I was like, so that's out of the question. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I, I would be very, very, very nervous if I lived in Taiwan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, and like I, and in a quick little side note, I, I a couple ten years ago, as bad, it was ten years ago in um, November of twenty fourteen. My wife and I, we did, um, we did a trip to Vietnam and Cambodia, and I was talking with our, you know, we had a tour guide. We were in, we were like in Hanoi, as a matter. We had like just visited um, the Hanoi Hilton and saw like John McCain's um, uh, flight suit and everything. We went by the lake where his plane landed. But um, I was talking with the the, uh, the tour guide, who's a super nice dude. He was like, we got into politics a little bit. He was like, oh, yeah, we're, like, more scared of China now than we are of the U.S. I was like, that's crazy. So, um, you know, even they're kind of, they're really on edge about um, China as well. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's so, yeah, we're just, yeah, in two generations, it's crazy how everything, you know, one generation turns, two generations, it really turns. It's just wild. So, uh, so yeah, so, before we move on to, uh, Israel, Palestine, anything else about Ukraine? Any other thoughts on Ukraine? Or the gl- greater Russia global war? All right. All right, so, Israel, Palestine, it's, oof, I mean, I've been, I've been watching the news, but the, the news is just, just not good. There's, there. Been talks about potentially a, a, a ceasefire, but um, it, it hasn't come. The uh, the U.S. vetoed calls for a ceasefire in the uh, U.N. Security Council. Uh, yeah, it's just looking just kind of like it's not going to end. I'm, Maxwell, I know you've been following this pretty close. What have you seen in the last uh, two weeks? Man, like, I don't know if you caught the press conference where fucking... President Biden was just kind of having one of his senior moments. Mm. But he was describing, like, the Gaza situation, but it was kind of like, yeah, there's some bad things happening. And it was just like, dude, it's, it's fucking, it's fucking straight up genocide. And like, but it was just like one of these things where he was so fucking absent minded and not with it. Mm. And it's like, this is the President of the United States. And, uh, you know, he's fucking talking more about ice cream that he's eating than fucking, you know, the place we're sending all of our fucking bombs to. Uh, and it's not yet. We, we're going to fucking let the Ukrainians do their thing. We got all these freaking Palestinian children to kill, so mm-hmm. let's send our shit there. And he's all nonchalant, like fucking not even with it as far as a press conference on the situation in Gaza, right? Mm. And I'm like, oh, you know, the other thing is, 
You know, we're going to let them know that they, they're crossing a line. And then we go to U, the, the UN and fucking veto the fucking Ooh. ceasefire. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. What a bunch of shit. All right. All right, Harp. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I don't, I don't think he knows a, a lot of what's going on. Uh, but I, it goes back to, like, there's a lot going on here. I mean, I, he signed up for it, but I kind of feel sorry for, for old Biden at the moment with the, with the whole border crisis and everything that's going on in the world. But he, is, he definitely shows his age quite often. Yeah, I, you know, Biden has very few good options. Actually, he has no good options in terms of uh, Israel. Now, I, now, number, now, the big thing that's been in the news lately is, so Michigan, a state that he absolutely has to win in November, has a very large Arab American population, and they're all very pissed. And they're, uh, actually, Michigan's primary is tonight, and um, the uh, there there's there's actually a uh, a movement in Michigan to have Democrats right. Hang on one second. Let me just. I want to get the correct word. I'm just looking up right now. Um, uh, okay, hold on a second. Hold on. Um, let me see. Well, well, there they want to have. Um, I'm sorry. I lost the. I lost the the word. But uh, there's a there's a progressive movement in Michigan to have um, people write in, basically, I, undeclared, I'm sorry, I forget the exact word, undeclared in the uh, the, uh, the ballot and show their, um, you know, unhappiness with, um, you know, uh, America's um, policy decisions in Israel. And, like, that's a, that's a state that he really needs to win. So he's really getting it from uh, all sides, and there's no... Um, Israel is one of those. Israel is one of those issues that it, most people in the U.S. don't care about, but the people who do are super fiery on each side. And um, and there's every American, no American president has uh, been able to make any headway with the peace process. The Clinton almost did, but then Israel didn't quite follow through from it. But so you know, it, Israel didn't follow through. They they fucking assassinated their own leader yeah. because of it. Yeah. It wasn't Hamas that did that shit. Yeah. It was fucking Netanyahu and his fucking nut jobs. You know, it was so crazy. Like, years ago, I was in D.C. for work, and I, uh, I was in this course with the guy who was Ambassador Comer's military advisor. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we're riding in the car to the course together, and we get into this conversation, and he said, like, US, the U.S. government's support of Israel is a losing fucking ticket. Mm. And I thought it was so weird when he said that. I was like, because we've always been, like, strong supporters of Israel, right? Like, I was like, man, what a fucking, that's, like, out there what you're saying but you look at like now when the full design because like there's not the, like they don't even hide it man like that, that's the thing there and, and just like in america not like 
not everything that we do is as a nation is representative of the people, right? Like you have you have this Zionist movement, this Netanyahu regime, and and Israel that just happens to be in charge, and they're they are hell bent on wiping the fucking Palestinians off the face of the earth, every last one of them, right? It's like telling people go to this evacuation zone and then bombing the evacuation zone, like targeting hospitals, all the shit that they do. Like, I'm sorry, but no matter what the Israelis say, like, oh well, we're only doing this because fucking Hamas leaders are in there. Like, dude. You, all of us have had the experience, like, were we shooting up mosques and fucking hospitals? Fuck no. There's no fucking way you'd be fucking tried for war crimes. Like, you'd be in the fucking brig for doing some shit like that. But that's like fucking SOP right now. So it's just nuts. It's absolutely fucking crazy. And, you know, it's like one of the things, too, like, um the Palestinians in their state, in their open air prison, like, yeah, their, their leadership, their government elected leadership were fucking pro Hamas and Hamas people. So it's one of those things where like, that's who was installed into power. So that didn't work well for the fucking Palestinians. But there's obviously, but there's like their approval rating was also abysmal, right? And it's like one of those things where, like, when you're being treated like a fucking prisoner, and when you're being treated in apartheid, sometimes you're going to like. Sometimes that's the type of shit that allows fucking despots to get into power, mm-hmm. right? Like you open the door for them because the fucking people that are supposed to be the two-state solution gobble up the land what's left of your land gobble that shit up treat you like shit treat you like a fucking prisoner you know keep the thumb on you the whole time it's just human nature like if you put a boot on my fucking throat i'm gonna i'm gonna support the guy that's going to help take that boot off of my throat Right, like mm-hmm. that's that's a, a, a possible outcome. Now, the only people who get fucked in this deal are the Palestinians, right? Because the Hamas people, they're fucking backed by Iran, and like I said in the past, Iran just does just enough to keep the chaos going, mm-hmm. and and <coughs> and doesn't support it enough to fucking, you know, really like if they're designed. If Hamas and Hezbollah are there to freaking wipe the Israelis off the fucking face of the earth, they don't get that that level of support to do that. They get just enough to be a pain in the ass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and keep things down. Like, so, the, you know, it's like, let's keep the fucking turmoil going so people can't see that we're fucking building nukes in the background, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Iran's just like that. And the crazy thing about Iran who's backing all of this bullshit all throughout the Middle East and causing all this hate and discontent. Like, that's another example of the same type of shit, right? Like, by and large, most Persians, most Iranians, 
could give two fucks about this whole thing. It's the fucking fundamentalist, like, crazy fucking, you know, like, Islamic extremist bullshit that runs the fucking government that causes all this bullshit, right? Like, how many times in Iran have they protested to, like, make things better, bring equality, take the fucking government down, and it just gets suppressed because it's the jackboot thuggery, like, Mm -hmm. the Iranian government's the fucking... They are no-shit access of evil motherfuckers, and it's, it's... That's the sad thing because, like, by and large, like, Persians aren't bad people, Mm -hmm. right? They just run by complete shitheads. Mm -hmm. (coughs) All right. It's almost like a mafia. Yeah. Yeah, it is a lot of ways, yeah. (laughs) It is. So, all right. Harp, you got any any comments on Israel-Palestine? I mean, uh... I still think Israel's got the, the right intentions. They, they want the terrorists. They, they want to make sure what happened uh, to them don't ever happen again. So, I mean, I, I see their side of it. Uh, but as far as, you know, like you said, Iran's backing all these people. So, until you deal with the queen, then the rest, the rest of the ants will keep on working. Yeah. yeah, I I actually have, I really don't have too much more to say because I really, this is this is one of those conflicts where <clears throat> I really, in terms of in the long term, I, I really don't see a solution for, I, they're, they're, we need people who, leaders who are cooler headed, who are much more imaginative and, and much more um, plainly just, just sympathetic than we have now and I just don't see that happening, so... I got nothing more to say about it. What sucks is because you, all you hear is all the time is all them people, they've been fighting for years. They've been fighting for hundreds and thousands of yeah. years. That's just what they do over there. Yeah. And, you know, I, the thing, though, is I kind of, I, I think that that's, I, I hear that. You I, don't, I hear that all the time. I do. I hear that all the time, too. I hear it all the time. And on, on one hand, there, there's a, there is some truth to it. Like, yeah, they have been. But at the same time, yeah. that's, 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 that's kind of, Everywhere in the world, you know what I mean. I mean, show me one place in the world that's been peaceful for the last. Excuse me, let me put it this: show me one place with humans that's been peaceful for the last ten thousand years. You know what I'm saying? And like, they're just, they're just no place is. You know what I mean? And like, you know, I like, uh, I look at a place like Europe who fought for centuries among each other, and you know, rushed this war with Russia, notwithstanding. I mean, on the on continental Europe, they're one of the most peaceful places on earth right now, you know what I mean? But um, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about that in my, thought, my final thoughts. But when, every time I hear that, that, that makes my blood boil. Because even though there's some truth, I always feel like people who say that, it, it's just kind of conceding defeat. And um, yeah, but, but maybe they're right. I don't know, maybe they're right. So, well, well, here we are. It's the end of the episode. Maxwell, what are your final thoughts? Man, I'll tell you what, like, one thing that was fucking crazy was this Air Force guy that lit himself on fire in front of the Israeli embassy. Oh, man, wait, wait, I didn't I didn't see that. What happened? Oh, are, are you serious? You didn't see this? No, 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 I'm just, I'm just hearing about this now. I, did it happen today? 
No, this happened over the weekend. Oh, I believe. Um, he said he set himself on fire. This Air Force airman, active duty airman, went to the fucking uh, went to the Israeli embassy in his in his fatigues. Lit and like made some statement about how there's genocide going on in in Gaza and the U.S. is complicit because we're aiding and funding this thing. Uh, and he said, I'm not going to be a part of this genocide, lit himself on fire, Ooh. and was yelling free Palestine until he, like, and then, like, you know, Secret Service guys, like, put him out. And then he went to the hospital, died of his injuries, died of his injuries there. But, I mean, it's one of those He did that? Oh, yeah, he's dead. Yeah, crazy. His name was Andrew something. I'm trying to look it up, but uh, Bushnell. Andrew Bush, or Aaron. Aaron Bushnell. Oh. So it's like one of those things, like, yeah, that's an extreme level of fucking protest. But at the same to- same token, man, it's like, hey, man, I I disagree with this whole fucking the U.S. funding Israel in the fucking first. Like, I I'm right there, but setting yourself on fucking fire and dying. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah like, you ain't accomplishing shit. Yeah. That is not going to no. change. Listen, like, we have, tw- we have what, fucking 22 suicides a day from fucking veterans? Does the fucking health care, does our shit get any better? Fuck no. Yeah. They don't give a fuck about that shit. You think they're going to give a fuck if you fucking light yourself on fire to protest this Israel shit? Fucking, I just got done saying Biden held a press conference and forgot what the fuck he was talking about. Yeah. Like, I, I I can't believe this dude did this fucking shit. And, like, you know what? No, no level of protest. Like, you're going to fucking lose. You're going to lose your. You're going to end your own life to make a statement. Like, I don't know what other fucking mental illness shit this dude might have yeah. had in his background. Some people. So, my final thought is some people think this is noble. Other people think it's fucking moronic. Like, there's some food for thought for people to think about. Um, but if you, I don't know. I look at it like this: is I agree with, I agree with the protest. I agree with saying like, fucking the United States is fucking up right now. But why fucking kill yourself? It ain't gonna change shit, and now you just snuffed out your whole fucking life. Yeah. All right. All right. Very cool. Very cool. Harp, let me open it up to you. I'm gonna have to agree with you on that. I, I don't think I could burn myself for for any cause. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy. But the final uh, uncommitted—that's what you're looking for. Uncommitted. Yes, uncommitted. That's the mm-hmm. that's, that's the word you were looking for. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I just seen it flash. Looked at my phone, and there's actually a, I'm 16.3 percent 
of Michigan is uncommitted. I just saw that too. I just saw that as well. I just saw that as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I guess that, I don't know. Maybe that is a sign. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yep. How well he thought he was going to win it. But it was like he's going to win it anyway. Well, he's going to win it. It's just the, the, the question is, you know, it come November, are all these people going to sit it out or what? I think that if you are a, if you really are a, a, a progressive supporter of um, Palestine, um, I don't know, and you sit it out. Again, talk about your protest backfiring on you. Um, if you're a progressive supporter of Palestine in Michigan, and you don't go out and vote for Biden, Donald Trump um, absolutely will not. And I, Don, Donald Trump and, and Benjamin Netanyahu were good buddies. And, and I, you know, uh, both kind of uh, very much um, cut from the same cloth. And I think that um, Trump, and, and Trump doesn't care about Muslims. I think that if Trump is elected, um, you know, it's going to run counter to the interest of progressive um, who are in support of uh, ending the fighting in Palestine, but I'll leave it at that. But I'm sorry, I, I cut you off, Harp. I cut you off. I'm going to have to disagree. I don't think Trump does not care about Muslims. I think he had a pretty good little peace deal going over there. He mm-hmm. has a pretty good track record of uh, bringing, trying to bring peace to that to that side of the world. I don't think he hates Muslims mm-hmm. at all. But I, I think what comes out of... Uh, Securing this country first is what's going to be able to fund the rest of the wars in the world. All right. When it comes to a vote. All right. All right. Very cool. All right. So my final thought, one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is, um, you know, talk. we were just talking about this new uh, global power um, you know the new Cold War and this new this new global power struggle between you know uh, the West and sort of the um, the authoritarian East that is uh, comprises Iran, Russia, China, North Korea, and you know I was if we go to war with China, it's uh, it is very possible that it'll be the last war that humanity ever. Sees because it'll be um, we'll just all kill each other. But even if even if we don't go to nukes and even if it's it turns into a very very bloody war, um, there's no guarantee that the United States is gonna win it. And you know one of the things that I, I think about World War Two a bunch. And you know early in this podcast actually we were talking about how uh, Maxwell you said uh, quite correctly. You know all you need is one generation to kind of forget and and, and fuck things up. We're now uh, you know my grandfather. Both of my grandfathers fought. They were Marines in World War II and fought in the Pacific. So that's two generations. So my daughter is now three generations back from the World War II generation. And we, you know, we in you know, World War II has been, um, at this point, I would almost say glamorized in a lot of ways because the, you know, almost all of the veterans um, have, have died and moved on. And, you know, they were there and they remember how awful it was in the nitty-gritty, and we have, you know, Saving Private Ryan and all those movies, which, are, which Saving Private Ryan is a, a, a pretty graphic movie. It definitely does not portray the, the war in a positive light, but even still, it's still, um, you, when you watch Saving Private Ryan, you kind of, 
you're you're scared and you're nervous, but you know at the end of the day the Americans win. You know what I mean? And as scary as and as visceral as the movie is, like you're still in the back of your mind. You're like, oh, okay, the Americans, you know, we win at the end. And every every single book, movie, or or a piece written about World War Two, um, or or you know that we read about World War Two, is we do it with the knowledge that we won, and that all the sacrifice, um, you know, was worth it in the end. But like at the beginning of the war, that was not nobody knew we were going to win. It was certainly not guaranteed. And, um, you know, war with China is not guaranteed. So, uh, the, 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 the older and older I get, and I'm sure you guys both echo, will echo this, um, the less and less and less I want a big war like that to happen. I thought it was kind of cool when I was a kid. I really looked up to, uh, my, well, one of my grandfathers died before I was born, but I really looked up to my other grandfather. He was a Marine. I thought it was cool as fuck. And, uh, you know, after going through it, um, I still admire, absolutely love him admire him, everything that for admire him for what he did, but, um, the cool factor has, um, has kind of worn off a little bit now that we're potentially, um, faced with, um, uh, going through it again, you know what I'm saying, so, so those are my final thoughts, so, all right, everybody, well, thank you so much for continuing on with us on this journey, I know it's heavy, this is a lot of heavy stuff, we do our best to, uh, uh you know, engage it, and and um, be as clear and as analytical about it as we can. So, Harpo, thank you. Yes, sir. Maxwell, thank you. Yes, sir. All right, everybody. We love you all, and we will see you next week. <laughs>